0: Um, Most of you know that I'm kind of getting on the short rows towards retirement. I'm kind of looking forward to that but you know there's that first song that Steve um, spoke of about this place and these kids. Uh, Look at these kids. As I kind of get down the road a little bit um, about retirement and a song that Steve sang about this place, you know, there are certain things that just stick out um, that become more difficult for that retirement day to come. Um, Some other things are easier. uh, But there's something about this place. I hope you all recognize that. That it's significant spiritually. Significant in your giving to us. So continue to think about this place not just today not just the next seven, eight weeks but in the days after because it's a special place and it's a special place because of each of you Um, I, I do want to express my personal thanks for all the gifts that you showered on us this pastor appreciation month uh, we just appreciate your love and your generosity, in in many capacities. And um, we pray for Archdale friends almost every morning, as well as Darlene's work, and others. And just know that uh, you're dear and near to our hearts, and we'll continue to remember Archdale friends this place. <laughs> in the future, our scripture lesson this morning comes from um, just one verse. Uh, it comes from Matthew 5:4. And I wasn't sure I was going to continue with the Beatitudes. Last week we had the first Beatitude, and so I decided that uh, it was uh, good just to go through those. I went back and I looked, and I haven't gone through the Beatitudes here at Archdale Friends. It's been a long time since I've really used them as a basis of of sermons. So we'll be continuing the next weeks looking at a Beatitude each week uh, between now and um, the middle of December. And Matthew 5, 4 reads, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And there are other versions of that. We'll be looking at some of those uh, this morning. Last uh, Sunday, after I did the first Beatitude, um, I was talking to one of our members out in the hallway out back, and and they reminded me of what I had been taught in seminary, and I'd kind of forgotten about that until um, it was actually Rick Sullivan. Who said? Do you remember, Rusty? Uh, Do you know that the beatitudes are really kind of a building kind of thing? You got to have understand and have the first one, have the knowledge of it, and have it in your heart really before you can go on to the second one. And you know that's correct. I remember reading about that and how each beatitude leads right into the other. And so, to get the first one, you got to have it in an understanding and in a spiritual sense. Before you can move on to two, three, four, seven, and eight. The first beatitude that we looked at last week was: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And poor in spirit, we learned last week, was you're not necessarily poor financially. You can be on top of the world financially. You can have it all. You can have the right car, the right clothes, the right house, the kids that treat you well. But when you're poor in your heart, when you're empty in your heart, when it's not full, when it's not satisfied, when it kind of struggles And when you come to that point and you say, oh, there's got to be something more, that's poor in spirit. When you realize that you need God. Those that's lost their way. Those that think they're on the way but really aren't. Israel and Judah thought they had it all. God was their chosen people. They were kind of on top of the world. And their world came crushing down because their heart wasn't in God enough. They kind of forgot what they were supposed to be doing. And they lost their way. And they lost it all. Even their place of worship. Because their hearts were not in the right place. So you've got to understand the first beatitude to move on to the second one. We've got to realize that we need God, no matter our lot in life. So this first beatitude should teach us the importance of being detached from things of the world, but it is never right to be detached from God and from his people. if you need God and recognize that, he's going to fill it. doesn't matter how much stuff you have. When you recognize you need God, he will fill it. So then you can move on to the second rung of the ladder of the beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. A world You know, in one sense of the word, uh, this second beatitude teaches us this. Our world and our communities would be a much poorer place if people did not express the sorrows and the sufferings of others. Not only in prayers and not only in concerns, you know, with our voices, but in our actions and in our deeds. How often does it happen when you help someone in need that it lifts your spirit? kind of gets you out of a mournful place or a stationary place or a stagnant place. When you reach out and touch someone and help someone that is mourning or someone that is hurting, it just lifts your own spirit up as well as them. Our Bible reading this week is from the book of Hebrews. It's printed in the bulletin. We're reading through Hebrews. So chapter 2, verse 1 reads, We must pay careful attention therefore, to what we have heard. And so we think about who this was expressed to. It was expressed to some of the first Corinthians, some of the first uh, Christians in the first century. And so what had they heard? They'd heard the stories about the life of Christ. They'd heard about what Jesus had done. Of course, there were stories in the Old Testament that they'd heard too. But what they had heard about Jesus' ministry, about Jesus' salvation, about Jesus bringing peace, not what the world gives, but what he can give. Not what the world can take away, is what Christ can give. And so, we must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Israel and Judah in the Old Testament They'd kind of forgotten what they had heard. Their heart wasn't in the right place. They thought it was, because they had all the right stuff, but they forgot their teachings, and they lost their way. They weren't where they needed to be spiritually. So we've got to hold on to our faith in Christ and His teachings. If you want a strong faith and to be able to pass that on, stay with God. Focus on Him and His Word. Teach it to your children. Teach it to your grandchildren. So they don't drift away. Raise the standard in your home, in your heart for God don't water it down with the world. Israel tried to do that and things didn't turn out so good for them, friends. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted when we recognize our need of God and we recognize our own sin and our own wrongdoings and not taking the right actions, actions not taking the right steps then we're not going to be comforted. Our heart's still going to kind of be messed up. This verse reads in Eugene Peterson's book called The Message. I don't often turn to the message but in, um, in, in from the pulpit, but I like the way this second verse reads, of uh, the second beatitude in the message. So listen to it. You are blessed when you've lost what is most dear to you only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Did you get that? You are blessed when you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. I asked several people this week what was something that they had lost that was dear to them. You know, what caused them to mourn? And, you know, you get the normal response. I've lost my spouse or I've lost my loved one. I've lost my parents. That was difficult. Some people said, you know, I've lost, lost a home in a fire. I lost all my keepsakes. And so I've mourned that. I still wish I had some of those. Uh, people said, um, I lost my pet. I lost a friend. I moved to a new location and I lost my front yard. You know, mourning happens in different ways, doesn't it? There's other things that cause us to mourn. A painful uh, a child that doesn't go the right way, doesn't do the right thing. A divorce, loss of employment, or loss of an arm or leg I think of those who have been in the military or been in an accident, that they lose a limb. Mourning comes in a variety of packages. So as we consider this beatitude this morning, we should understand that the Greek word used here for mourn is the strongest word available. It is the word used to describe Jacob when he learned that his son Joseph was dead. He wasn't, but he was told by his other sons that Joseph, his 11th son, had died. And so that's the word used here for mourn. So it's the kind of grief which takes hold of a person that just can't be contained. It's not only the sorrow which brings an ache to the soul, it is a sorrow which brings unrestrainable tears and uncontrollable sobs. That's one understanding of this second beatitude about mourning. Blessed is a person who has lost that which is most dear to them and precious to their heart. You know, we probably all recall perhaps losing our first pet. I remember when that happened as about a seven or eight-year-old child and Frisky had run out into the road and, and of course a car, an approaching car came and took Frisky's life. But I also remember when that happened as a father and we had a dog and its life was taken by a passing motorist. And how our oldest son, Rob, sobbed and sobbed. And he ran down to the basement. He pulled out a board. And he wrote the name of the dog on the board. He etched it in. And we took it out to the woods and put it where the dog was going to be laid. But he mourned. So that's one understanding of this mourning in the second beatitude. As God's people, you and I, We should hurt when others hurt, and we should be able to respond to their very needs. Yesterday, I had a memorial service down at Liberty Friends meeting for a very good friend that came to us later in our lives, Fred Fogelman. And as a young father, Fred lost a child. Fred had been outside with the child, and got detained a little bit, and the child walked all the way down to the road as a five or six-year-old, and a passing motorist came. You know, that's tough. And he's carried that throughout his life. You know, we all carry things through our life that hurt, that we can't get rid of, but Fred never gave up on his faith. He never blamed God for that. He never tried to turn the tables on something else. Even though his heart was broken, he allowed it to be repaired as much as possible. Even though he mourned through his 80th birthday, he continued to be a part of the Christmas pageant at Liberty Friends every year, playing the part of his daughter Angela. He knew how to rectify his heart So it didn't mourn deeply all the time. But you and I can help people through that mourning process. And we're to do that and to help comfort them. There's a proverb that says all sunshine makes a desert. The land on which the sun always shines will soon become arid. And it's not going to produce any vegetation or fruit. That's what happened to Israel and Judah. They got to the place where they weren't producing what God wanted them to produce. But there are certain things that only rain can bring into one's life. Certain things which can only sorrow can beget. That only rains can bring. Sorrow can show us, as nothing else can, the essential kindness of our fellow man and the helping hand that you provide and shows us the comfort and the compassion of God expressed through you and me or through our listening ear in time of need. Mourning can drive us to self-pity, or it can move us on and be closer to God. The choice is ours. And how you and I react to helping one another is an important process in that healing of others. Help heal broken and mended heart and hearts that need to be mended. Now I understand that when things go well in our lives, it's possible to live on the surface of things. You know, we just kind of go along, things are kind of just treading along, and we're just kind of moving along okay. But when sorrow or when pain or when shame arrives at our door, we can be driven to the depths of life. And where do we look for help? Where do you look for help? Psalm 121, we look to the hills from which cometh our help. And our hearts are eased because we're able to communicate with God and with one another. I came across this poem in William Barclay's writings, and it stuck with me. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow and never said and never said a word to me, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. So the significance is walking with someone else. We may not walk in their shoes, we may not be in their situation, but we can walk beside them all the way. So this is a good case of this beatitude as it could read. Blessed are those who are desperately sorrow for the sorrow and sufferings in this world. Or it could read like this. Blessed is the person who cares intensely for the sufferings and for the sorrows and for the need of others responding to the broken hearted and contrite heart. Now, no doubt that's one of the understandings of this second beatitude about mourning. But understanding who Matthew is, who had these beatitudes printed in his text, and understanding that Matthew was a kingdom of God person, and he was a Jesus person, there's a deeper level to this mourning that we need to understand as well. Blessed is the person who is desperately sorrow in sorrow for their own sins and own unworthiness. The first words of Jesus' message was contained the word repent. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So we have to recognize our need of God and then our sorrow that we have because of things we haven't done as God has asked. Israel and Judah weren't. They just hadn't gotten there. They hadn't understood that they need to be obedient and they needed to follow the word of God. In the Old Testament, Jonah called the whole city of Nineveh, if you'll remember, to repent. No one can turn away from shame, wrongdoing, from sin, from doing things that God doesn't like unless you are sorry in your heart I remember the time again as a youngster I was probably 7, 8 years old and I told an absolute lie to my mom I mean she knew before I even started it that I was going to lie you know when you know your children you know your children right and I tell you God knows us or he knows me and I told an absolute lie. And she just grabbed me by the hand and she just drugged me right into the bathroom. You know what she did? She just grabbed that bar of soap and she went to work on my mouth. I tasted bubbles for a few days. But I felt shame for even longer because she said, you embarrassed me and you embarrassed the Lord. I never thought about that as a seven or eight year old but I learned that lesson. Tell the truth. Follow God. Don't make him look down and say look at this world. Look at you. We need to be sorry for the things that we do wrong. Leave those behaviors behind. Leave those actions behind so you can find that new heart, that new life that God passionately wants to put in you. This week I happen to be talking to someone on the telephone that's a member here of the Archdale Friends. We were talking about a variety of things and they said, you know, when I accepted Christ up at a Billy Graham crusade in Greensboro years ago, my life has been different ever since. I left a lot of that, st-. he said, a lot. I left a lot of that stuff behind, and I became a new person. I became alive inside, and joy filled my heart. And that's so true. The old self can be gone when you recognize your need of God and our admittance that we need Him and we fail Him. We all fall short of the glory of God. When you see your sin and ask Jesus to come in and forgive you, there's no greater feeling. Christ provides a new life and a deeper joy. But we have to take the step We can't feel repented until we feel remorse, regret for the things that we've done wrong in God's eyes and in someone else's. You know, I still apologize to my mom for saying that lie. I don't apologize for cleaning my mouth out with soap. I understand that process and the meaning of that. But I still remember those words that I uttered that brought embarrassment to her. She said, And to God. One of the things that really changes a mournful person is when we come face to face with Christ as a sinner and receive His grace and forgiveness. So show God off to your family. Don't worry so much about the world and the accumulation of things. Show God off. Raise the standard. Don't lower it or water it down. The cross raises our standard, our spiritual desires of our living and of our giving. One of the great functions of the cross is to open our eyes to greater things that are before us to help us comfort one another in times of need and to recognize our own sin. And to ask God to forgive us. The Apostle Paul said in Romans the 6th chapter, Shall we go ahead and sin so grace can increase? And the next phrase is, By no means. We have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So as Christians, as the followers of God, look what's before you. Not just paradise is in the song, but paradise that's in the song. The life that you can have now into your heart, filled with the joy of Christ. The children of Israel had many prophets, and many others direct them back to God, but many of them did not listen. And they lost their way, the children of Israel. We can't keep doing the same wrongful things and earn the respect of one another and of God that we need. Thank goodness for grace. I mean, we all need grace, don't we? Each and every one of us. And I'm glad it's there. But it is the one who looks at the cross and sees Christ and knows that he died for us and that resurrection that helps our broken and contrite heart to love and to receive the love that Christ has. So this second beatitude also means, oh, the bliss of the man whose heart is broken for the world's sufferings and for his own sin. For out of his sorrow he will find the joy of the Lord.